Stay tuned. The show is about to begin. Hello, hello everybody. Welcome back to the Human Challenge. I am your host, Vanessa Ferlano, and we are exploring all the challenges of being human in today's world, the challenges of being human and how we can challenge ourselves to be more human for the greater good. Uh, today, I am super excited to have upcoming author Ava Nori, 4.16 a.m. Um, I'm super pumped to have you here. <laughs> She's like, oh, that one too. Um, I was, I'm super excited. I was actually invited to your launch a couple weeks ago and I got to go yes. and it was such a wonderful, such a wonderful event. Uh, beautiful. Oh, thank beautiful you. Place. Um, and, and I know we got to listen to you read some of your works. Um, so I'm super excited to have you here today and very grateful to get your insights. Um, before, so at the launch, you talked a bit about 
the journey of writing it and then also kind of where the title came from um and i love the title and so i hope you can kind of give us a little bit about that background yeah, and then sure. i really want to jump into some of the pieces that really really spoke to me yeah so the title for 16 a.m um i am originally from toronto and 416 is the area code of toronto and i remember this was probably about six or seven years ago now i was in a band and i was on tour and we had made a stop in Toronto and it was the first time I had been home in forever. And I could not sleep that night at all. I was like so fired up that I saw my family. The show went amazing. And I remember rolling over in my hotel room and looking at those little digital clocks with the red numbers and it was 4.16 a.m. And I was like, that is so sweet and cute that it is that time and I'm in Toronto. <laughs> Aw, that's really awesome. So you were in a band. I, that part I think I missed. <laughs> like, did you talk about that? Because I think I missed that. And so I did not like... Please tell, now I need to know. I need to know a little okay. bit more about this okay. band. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, it was like a high school rock band. We got a music credit for it, but we toured and it was, I thought I was the coolest person on the face of the earth. Um, it was 11 of us. That many people should not be on one stage, but we were pretty sick. We were, we were pretty rocking. So it's a bit of an homage to that past artistic career, plus my home and not being able to sleep ever. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's amazing. I, I actually thought to me, um, I thought that 4.16 a.m. also had to do with like um, those kind of gnawing thoughts that you have in the middle of the night, those mm -hmm. ones that keep you awake. And I mean, like you said, you couldn't sleep that night. You might have been high on adrenaline <laughs> from your from your band. Um, yeah. But that was one of the things that actually really spoke to me uh, because I think that, you know, when, on the show, when we talk about what it is to be human and the yes. human experience, like, I think that is so relatable, right? Like, we all have, it's like, th there's something about 4 a.m. when you're awake where it's like all your fears just kind of come to life. Like, every yeah. insecurity <laughs> that you've ever felt, yeah. it's like it decides to just come alive at 4 in the morning yes. and then you're just kind of screwed. <laughs> Yeah, for me, 4am is like the point of no return. It's like, I may as well stay awake now and ride yeah. this out. There's no point in going to bed. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Um, okay, so I want to jump into some of these these pieces because like, obviously, yes. I, I read through the work. Um, and and I, I loved, I really loved a lot of them. And then there were a few that really, really spoke to me and really made me pause and think about my own experiences. And I always love when a book can do that. And and actually, I'm always to to jump in. Uh, this is a it's a poetry book, like, they're all poetry works. I don't think I said that in the beginning. And I want to make sure that I highlight that because I think that's even more important for poetry right because you have like in such a different style different way of writing and when you can make somebody like pause and think for a second and go oh like that's that's i think very yeah. unique <laughs> for poetry oh, right <laughs> yeah so, um the first one i want to talk about was 78 cents and and i'm not going to read the whole thing but there were a few lines because obviously this is very much touching on feminism and yes. there was the line here that says uh, we have been trained to be silent because boys will be boys and girls will be compliant. And that one, I, like, it's it's so wonderfully, like, like simple, but in a straightforward way. Like, I'm not, yeah. like, it's not, like, oversimplifying anything. But it's, like, it's just, like, it's straightforward. And it's, like, yeah. And then there was the one to you defend each man as they lie through their teeth while we are blamed for our skirt length and what hides underneath. And those, like, I don't know, like those, those lines really yeah. made me stop. Like they just hit me and I was like, yeah, like, yeah, <laughs> yes, this is, this is how the world works. And I think yes. it's a bummer because, you know, especially when we talk on the show about the challenges of being human and, and what it means to be human and the whole human experience, it's like, 
this whole idea of feminism, like this has been the human experience for like generations. You know what I mean? And it's kind oh, of a bummer to be yeah. like, how are we still here? Like, how is this still a problem? You know? So <laughs> I kind of wanted to get your, I mean, was there something very, like you wrote this, what was kind of, where did this come from? Was there a very personal experience that happened or was it just kind of like a gen, like a general observation that you had made and tell I, us it was, it? it was a little cocktail of both. I mean, I've been a woman <laughs> for 19 years now and it was just a buildup. And I feel like in the lines that you had mentioned, like boys will be boys. That is such a juvenile reminiscent of childhood as a little girl yeah. um experience it's something that you're constantly told boys will be boys oh boys mature slower than girls you just have to let their behavior slide so i think it was just sort of like an overwhelming like all these different experiences from like childhood until now and i was like i should write about this because i know everyone can relate yeah no absolutely and then i think the other part, the reason, the one about the skirt length and all that, like, that one yes. really spoke to me because it, it reminded me not even of like, you know, our personal side of this, but even in the workplace, I, mm -hmm. uh, I when I was at work, I honestly remember one time a director, um, and, and she was a woman, which is the part that surprised me the most. And I had done a presentation and, and it was virtual, you know, times of COVID. And I remember my air conditioning had broke. So I was wearing a blouse and, and, you know, it was like satin, but it was straight. It was only had straps. And yep. she called me and this is a director that I had never actually like really met or didn't even know. And she just felt entitled to share with me. She's I'm going to give you feedback next time. Wear a shirt that covers your shoulders. That was her feedback on my hardworking presentation. And it was like, and, and so that line, like, it just, it really made me think of, again, like that personal side, but then even like things in the workplace. And I was like, yeah, yeah like, you know, but like, cause it's just, it's kind of bizarre that that just still happens. And I guess I want to share that story. And then I want to ask you, you know, uh, cause I think that kind of touches on things like white feminism. Right. And, yes. and, and so that was kind of, I wanted to get some of your thoughts on that. Like, um, how much of this is perpetuated by things like white feminism and some of those dynamics? I mean, so much of it is. I, that was very much based on personal experience. I think I was dress coded at least once a week. Oh my god! In high school, right? Okay. For short length, skirt yeah. length, um, shoulders again because they are so so sexy. But <laughs> <sighs> I totally relate to your story, especially within the workplace. Like, yeah. it's insane, and to be taken seriously in the workplace as a woman as like anything basically if you have barriers and friction in your life you have to present a certain way with how you dress how you speak how you act and clothes play such a huge role in that because the body is so hypersexualized now especially the female body that you're walking on eggshells just existing <laughs> yeah yes yes exactly and, and that's exactly how it feels where it's and and and, and I think especially too with women like there's again like it's like it's the clothing but then it's also just how you walk how you talk if your voice is too high but then if your voice is too low like, exactly. it's like there's there no winning all the, exactly like there's every everything kind of working against you and it's, yeah. it's very 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 frustrating um, yeah 
but but yes i i did i really loved that that piece and those lines really made me stop for a second and there's the yeah. part too about when convenient to you we hold remarkable worth and it's true it's like it's very much well it's like our worth is going to be dependent on what you decide to see from us when you need it when you need something yeah. from us was there something very particular that you were speaking to like in terms of, of convenience do you know what i mean or was it kind of more just like catch-all a bit like again a bit of a bit of both i have so many experiences where my value is based on what i bring to the table from the perspective of like men in my life boyfriends teachers bosses um when convenient to you i hold remarkable worth um i've had so many boyfriends that just disregard me until they need something like right. treat me horribly and then it's like oh i need someone to vacuum this apartment i love you today like, right, right, yeah, right. Or even when it comes to like sexual relationships, like when it's convenient, I am worth something right. to you. I'm a goddess, and then other days I'm just a rat, <laughs> basically. Or like, or even like, and like, I may think that even applies to like even like healthy relationships too. Sometimes yeah. Oh, a hundred percent. Whereas like, yeah, I love you today, but uh, like, I'm too busy for you today. Like I'm yeah. busy with work, I'm busy with this. And it's kind of like, well, that's not, that's still not really how it works, right? Or the second you have an emotion that isn't yes. happy. Yeah. Yes, exactly. You're exactly. an inconvenience, yes. <laughs> um, all right, and then I want to touch on the other one that you wrote about, because uh, you actually, you had mentioned the hypersexualization of, of bodies and like yes. particular women. Um, I do think that it's also the same for men, you know, like I got lots yeah. of girlfriends too, you know, and you know, a lot of the, I've got lots of girlfriends that are happy to sit around and talk about a man's body and go yes. on forever. So <laughs> I do think it's, it's, you know, it's a little bit of both, but I wanted to talk about it because this body, um, but it, it's entitled or it encompasses, I think four or five different pieces, right? From the ages of 13 to 19. Yes. And so you kind of wrote a piece for each age and I guess, um, and then you mentioned too, that you're, you're, you're 20 right now. And yes. so I'm curious, like when you kind of reread these works and, or even like just from that difference between 19 and 20, like, do you think, you know, what you felt, why don't you tell us how, what you wrote and what you thought at the age of like 19. And then do you think there is a big difference between 19 and 20 for you? Like, yeah. do you see that a big difference between that? Um, in the, I'm just looking at it right now. Um, I think as a 19 year old, I was very afraid to take up space, um, physically, emotionally, mentally. So I shrunk myself in all of those, um, different ways and like such poor health, horrible relationship with food and my body and my appearance and what I, how I wanted to present myself. It was catering to societal ideals, like people in my life, their ideals. And um, I've done a lot of healing since then, a lot of self-work to get to where I am now, where I'm okay with taking up space. I'm okay with being loud. I'm okay with feeling like, oh, my thighs are too big today, but you know what? That's okay. I'm going to take up this space. These pants don't fit me when I try them on in the fitting room. That's okay. My body is supposed to fit inside of the clothes. The clothes are not supposed to fit inside of my body. It's those little things. It's just changing that mindset. And I think from being 19 and now being a 20 year old. I mean, it's only a year, but doing that work and healing from those ideas really makes a difference. Absolutely. And, you know, yeah. and I love that, you know, again, like it, within one year, right. To be able to have that kind of acknowledgement and, yeah. then, and then to be able to take action around that. And mm -hmm. I actually, and I love that it's 
like I'm, I'm, I'm 28, I'll be 29 in September. And I mean, I, I was kind of similar to you. Like I was always someone that was always very aware of what was going on and how I felt. And, and mm -hmm. I was like, I, you know, when you say that I was always afraid to take up space, like I feel that, you know, I'm like, yeah, totally. Like I get that a hundred percent. Yeah. Um, but I think it's amazing to hear like, you know, people at 19 and 20, like talking like this, do you know what I mean? Because yes. I don't think when I was like 19 or 20, I don't, I could feel those things, you know, but, but in my head, I don't know, like, I just felt that that wasn't a very like topical thing that people discussed, you know, which would have been like 10, almost 10 years ago now. And I'm just realizing how old I am now, <laughs> but, uh, wow. Okay. Yeah. But like, you know, I really genuinely don't think that I, we had those conversations. And so I love to know that, that, that is happening at those ages because yes. it kind of means that, you know, we can, we are that much closer to seeing a difference, right. In, oh, 100%. in all these things when we talk about feminism, mental health yeah. and all that. Right. So I think that's fantastic. Um, <laughs> What are your feelings? Because you went through 13, 15, 16, uh, 18, and 19. And so I guess going through, did you, when did, did you write them all like at one period and you were reflecting back or did you have this piece from when you were 13? And Do you know what I mean? I sat and wrote this within a night um, due to the fact that it was due the next day for a poetry <laughs> class. But um, this was during that healing process of learning okay. to take up space. And this helped me tremendously to see all of the different phases and growth that I had gone through because at 13, I was flat. I had not gone through puberty and I remember everyone developing very quickly. And that's when that sexualization began. And that's when all these other girls were worth something. And then there I was a fly on the wall built like a little boy and I was devalued. And then the second I grew boobs and had a more feminine body and I was playing into that sort of like those beauty ideals then I was worth something and you notice that and it like it hurts a little bit but at the same time you're trying to cater to it so it's this back and forth right but I'm just I'm looking at it again yeah, I don't even know my own work I apologize no 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 of course you do but I get it like yeah and when you finish writing it it's kind of like it's like it's there and then you don't really touch it until you like have yeah. to. Yeah. No, it's an experience and I think that's fantastic. Um, um, what about this, the 16, the teacher told me to wear tighter clothes on stage because sex sells. <laughs> that <laughs> and is I remember a, you talking about yeah. that at the event a couple of weeks ago. Yes. Um, one of the music teachers from our high school, not that one, was in the crowd <laughs> and she shot me a look on stage because she knew exactly what I was talking about. But I think... Again, the line that follows that is this body had become a product and that really speaks to the ownership of your body, regardless of like if you are in a band or if you're an actor or whatever you're doing, is your body truly yours if you're feeding into other people's ideas of what you should look like? Is it a truthful representation of self, of femininity, of this or of that? And I think that really touched on like, who really owns your body? Because at the in the latter half of that section, um, it must be this body's fault. This body, this body, rather than my body. Um, this body is no longer yours. The second right. you're playing into those ideals or if someone decides to take advantage of your body, per se. Um, and then I get into 18 on the next one, and it's taking up space in feeling as though I am too much and that still isn't good enough and feeding into 
the Kardashian brand shapewear and the green juices and the this and the that to try and keep up with society's ideals. And then finally 19, doing everything that I could and being left with a carcass, basically, if I had to put it simply. But this poem was definitely such a journey. <laughs> um, I'm so happy you wanted to talk about it. That is my favorite piece in the book. Oh, really? 19? Yes. Yeah, yeah, no. yeah. The whole, the whole, the whole, the whole, the oh, whole okay, body. Yeah, I yeah. love, yeah, I was very, very happy that Brian was like, yes, let's include that one. <laughs> <laughs> yes, Brian, Brian being your publisher, right? Brian, that one, yes. So, yeah, Brian Davies. Published through, yes, yep. published through Tagona Press. Yes. Um, okay, that's great. Yeah, and I mean, I, I like what you say about... Um, like who owns the body and it's really yeah. a feeling of like that that disconnect right that there's this like there's this me there's this self I exist in this body but I don't feel it's like you're not connected to it you know no. what I mean and, yeah. and I know for myself um like I was sexually assaulted when I was 23 I think and it, it's that journey it's that same thing where it's like when it's like it's taken from you right when your body mm -hmm. is, is like owned by someone else at that point right because you're saying no and you're being forced to do yeah. something like it's it's that same as that disconnect, right? Is that disconnect? Yeah. Well, this is who I am, and I exist in this body, but I don't feel connected to the body anymore. And it takes yeah. time to to reclaim exact to yes. reclaim and to, to be able to like live in the body again, right? I remember mm -hmm. my journey was like I did a lot of yoga and a lot of meditation, but you know it takes time. But like I remember starting that journey, and it was like. Oh, like I almost felt scared sometimes to be in the body because it feels that unfamiliar to you, right? And so I'm curious because you know you said the difference between when you were 19 and then 20. Like, was 19 sort of like a wake up call for you to kind of say, okay, I need to like really like who am I and I need to start my healing process? Is oh, a thousand percent. It got to the point where I was having health concerns. Like I had very low blood pressure. I couldn't walk I didn't want to bring myself to eat I was having stomach problems and I was like you are treating this body horribly right now you need to get a grip or else you're not even gonna be able to exist in a body whether it be big or small right wow yeah that, that's a wake-up call and that's like a very I mean I commend you for having that very honest discussion with yourself you know to yeah. like it's like, you, like it's either you do something now or you're not gonna be like the, then it doesn't even matter if this body exists or not like yeah that's, that's a very tough conversation to have with yourself I think yeah um, so self-honesty yeah. yeah honestly like that's, yeah. that's that's incredible honestly that's thank really, you really fantastic um and then the other one, because you were, you talked a little bit about health concerns, and the other one that spoke to me that I thought was really interesting was the one I think it was RXO two, the one about uh, the bottle. There's an orange bottle that lives on my nightstand, and that there is. <laughs> and I I really liked this piece as well. And I'll be honest, it wasn't something that like I could relate to, mm -hmm. uh, but I just I liked it. Like I I really. I just, I really like the piece and I guess I'm just kind of curious, um, like, like I said, like, you know, you are, you're 20 now, so you were obviously even maybe younger when you were going through this experience. And mm -hmm. I just, I want to talk about it because I imagine, like, if you're talking about it, I imagine that there are other people your age that are also having a similar experience. And so I want to kind of talk about this piece a little bit and talk sure. about uh, like where it came from and, um, um, and, and. Yeah, like I said, because I think that if you're talking about it, then I think other, there are other people yeah. that need to hear it and are probably experiencing this too. Yeah, of course. So RX02, it is about my tumultuous relationship with my ADHD medication. Um, I was diagnosed in my first year of university. Um, I was very open to trying medication because I was like, something needs to be done again. Like, mm -hmm. come on, Ava. 
Um, this also very much plays into my experience of 18 and 19 existing in my body because one of the like number one side effects of a lot of ADHD medications is appetite suppressant and food aversion. So I felt a reliant on this medication to wake up in the morning and being like be a functioning member of society <laughs> um, rather than just trying to sort of change my ways. But at the same time, I didn't want to change my ways. I wanted to be reliant on this medication because I was like, I'm not eating. I'm not, I don't like how I look, but if this medication will stop me from putting food into my body and remaining the size that I am, then this is like the perfect combination. Um, wow. Yeah, <laughs> it was a lot to say the least. But I know so, again, like you said, I know so many people who are going through that and it's, it's tough to feel reliant on a silly little pill every morning. And it's like, where do I draw the line of this is helping me like change my ways and like foster this growth and this like change of habits? And where is this sort of harming me more where I'm like scrounging every morning because I can't find the bottle and I'm like, I'm not going to be able to like do anything today. Right. Right. And so, I mean, as I'm kind of listening to what you're saying, what I hear is like for people that are going through this, it's really just that constant discernment, right? Like that consistent, yeah. like questioning and, 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 and I think it goes to what you're saying about everything about self-care, self-love, self-honesty, and just really being able to have that very authentic conversation with yourself. Like, mm -hmm. you know, if this is something that you're having a tough time with, like being able to just have that awareness, right? Like, is yeah. this actually helping me? And what is my intention here, right? What is my intention with the use of this? What is my intention with my life? And and I think that that's very, those are very important words and very important thoughts for anyone who, I mean, anyone in general, but I think especially young people, I think yeah. that our younger generations with, with tech, like they're so tech enabled now. I mean, I think it's kind of great because there are things, there are changes that we'll see and, and, and it will, you know, will reflect how we, um, you know, things in the workplace, I think, right? Because, you know, I think that the values are changing, which is a good thing. I think young people, you can tell me if I'm wrong, of course, I'm not young anymore. And I'm, the more that I'm having this conversation, I'm like, oh man, Vanessa. <laughs> Um, but I think that, you know, I think the values are changing, right? I think people kind of know what they want for, or at least they're, they're more aware and more in tune to wanting to know what they want for themselves, which I think is great. But I also think there's another kind of downside to all the technology. I think it does change the way we've communicated with each other. It changes the, I think the authenticity of the connections that we seek yeah. sometimes. Um, and so I think that, you know, I think your words are very, very, uh, important there for people to just if you can kind of shut that noise off for a minute and really consider like, you know, hear your voice, hear your thoughts and take care of, of yourself and yeah. what you want for yourself. Um, I think is kind of what you're, um, at least that's what I hear as I listen to yeah, you. Yeah, no, I, I totally agree. Self-honesty, <laughs> sitting down with yourself, journaling, write yourself a letter. Because yeah. so many people are self-aware. Like as a younger person, we are all very self-aware, but it is very easy to lie to yourself. And say oh no 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 like this isn't this isn't bad this is okay like what i'm doing is fine when deep down you know you're destroying yourself or destroying your mental health yeah no absolutely absolutely um i think that my last question then will be for you um well first of all if you could tell us where we can get your wonderful book for sure beautiful abstract <laughs> cover art i think it's just it's, it's really <laughs> um 
and then I think from there, what's, what's your, you know, do you have any plans coming up? Um, any other, any future works? Are you going to start another band maybe? <laughs> we'll see. We'll see. <laughs> so my book is available on the Tagona Press website or on Amazon for $15, I believe, or 20. We'll see. I forget. <laughs> um, and what's next? Um, definitely more writing. I want to take kind of a more casual approach to the next one. I feel like this very much packed an emotional punch. <laughs> um, I want to write about things that are happier in my life as I'm healing and growing into adulthood. Um, and yeah, I'm going into my third year of university. I'm taking so many creative writing courses. So we'll see what I produce from that. Hopefully another book. Um, but we'll see what's to come. I hope another band, maybe, actually. That would be pretty <laughs> sick. <laughs> I love that. Awesome. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for being here. Um, oh, and, thank like, you. Honestly, I, think, yeah, I think that it's, it's incredible. Like I said, like I think it's great to have uh, young authors, young people in general, like you yeah. know, having these really honest conversations um, because I do think it's needed in kind of where we are today. And so, yeah. So. Thank you so much. Super grateful for your time. Um, everyone, Thank I hope you. you check out Ava's book. It is, it is very, very, uh, it's very honest and very real. And I really yeah. did enjoy it. Being someone who's like 10 years older, I felt like very relatable to a lot of things. But I'm going to stop reminding myself of my age right now. <laughs> Don't worry about it. You're being too self-honest. <laughs> there we go. There's the scale of self-honesty. Okay. I love All it. Right. Thank you so much awesome. for having Thank me. So much. All Take right. Care. Bye. <laughs> Bye. <laughs>